0: Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Mostly Superheroes. Yeah, it's a Christmas miracle. You're getting two this week. This is episode 25. We might even have a third one for you. I'm not going to promise you the third one. This time another Logan's Heroes. Told you we had a lot of these lined up. Today we have Stephen Walden, local St. Louis artist. He's painted and met. Here's some big names for you. Bree Larson, of course, our Captain Marvel. John Hamm. St. Louis, uh, superstar, and Mad Men, of course, and a lot more MCU characters. Uh, he has some fun stories to tell. We're going to go through, uh, highlight some of his art and his, his pieces, which are actually painted in 3D, which I thought was wild. And then we talk about some TV and film and some of the bangers, some stuff I've been really excited to talk about, MCU, DC Universe stuff. And, of course, Star Wars and The Mandalorian. So all the big stuff that's happening right now, we open it up. So enjoy the episode. Enjoy the interview. Get to know Steven. Here it is, our next Logan's Heroes. What up, folks? Welcome back to another edition of Logan's Heroes. I'm your host, Logan, host of Mostly Superheroes uh today we have another st louis person with us uh we're really highlighting the local scene here this week so you st louis fans it's a great time to be listening this week we have local artist steven walden hey steven thanks for joining us
1: hey logan thanks for having me thank you thank you wonderful audience here thank you you.
0: (laughs) i don't know if you everyone always points it out there's one guy back there that is really excited to see you he he. i don't (laughs)
1: listen to this guy i love it it's like that really distinct <laughs> guy that was in the night court laugh track you uh, always like tell this one guy and it is specific to night court and i'm like that 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 he just showed up in every single one.
0: Our buddy, our buddy Mike, he a PC Mike. He's on the show regularly. He said that that guy is the guy that's like coming into the comedy club like from the bathroom and missed the joke, but wants everyone to think he heard the joke. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. Perfect.
0: Um, Stephen, thanks for joining us today, man. I'm really excited to talk to you. I've been, uh, I told you this morning, I've been researching you like a creep, and I'm. I'll tell you right off the bat, I'm a big fan of your art, dude. You got some great uh, looking you. art. Um, and I want to showcase that. And I know that you and I are also going to talk about some TV and film stuff in 2021. So I feel like we got a packed episode today, but I just wanted to start with who the hell are you, man? Where are you from? What's what's your story?
1: Uh, I was born the son of a sharecropper. <laughs> um, no, that's, that's uh, George Jefferson. Sorry. Um, no, uh, I mean, uh, born uh, in Hope, Arkansas, uh, moved to St. Louis in 04. And this is the longest place that I've lived. Um, so it really has a uh, second longest place I've lived outside of Arkansas. Um, so it's, uh, it really has become a home. Um, although it doesn't really matter what high school I went to when people ask me that question in St. Louis, I'm not really from St. Louis.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, um, we have, so just so you know, we have listeners all over the world. So high school in St. Louis is like a thing. It's like, where'd you go to high school instead of like in your town, it might be like, what's your favorite sports team or what alumni of college you go to here. It's what's your high school. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's totally a codified thing. And it's like, I need to know a snapshot of who you are and make snap judgments about you immediately. So I know your social status, your background, where'd you grow up, your education, your religion, all those things. It's just, it's, it's the equivalent of, you know, so what's your major at a college party? Mm -hmm. Um, But probably maybe even a little more sinister than that. Um, But I do, uh, I, uh, St. Louis is my home uh, now and uh, and I love it uh, for being here. Um, I took a circuitous path to being an artist. Uh, as you see, you've got my, my webpage up on your screen right now, which my webpage is really out of date. I also have oh, your I drop box. I, had...
0: I have your Dropbox ones too. So okay. I didn't want to give it too much, but here's, you know, we can definitely have some of your better business. No, 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 no it's totally fine. You can
1: go, but you can, you can do either. It's just, I, I have great website shame of, you know, having an entire quarantine to do something about it. Yet I have not, you know, um, it's my house project that I haven't gotten to. I um, haven't gotten house projects either. Um the fact that but, you have a website,
0: uh, man, I feel like the fact that you have a website, you're already miles ahead in my book. I mean, that's great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Which, hey, we'll um, just plug yes. it right now. It's Steve. It's com, right? Super simple.
1: Yes. Yes, it okay. is. It is. You can see the more current, current stuff on Instagram at Stephen Walden. And then also over on my Facebook professional page, Stephen Walden Art over there. Perfect. Um, those are updated a little bit more frequently. And then Twitter, I don't know, whenever I get bored. I mean, Twitter is a, a cesspool of uh, of nonsense. But, you know, every now and then. I like to post something that's new out there um anyway uh keep it positive uh <laughs> so sorry i'm a positive guy it's 2020 no, you, you know, can keep it positive uh, but keep it real too man we talk real on this show good good excellent um so uh i moved to st louis i was not an artist i was a technical writer mm-hmm. i wrote soft uh, software manuals for banking software um, and then when uh, I made enough money at that and my soul had died, I decided I wanted to be a copywriter, which had a little bit more creativity. And so like you, I also did some agency stuff, um, but at the end of the day, I realized that, you know, it's great making money, but I needed something more out of money. And that kind of on led me to go into personal therapy. And just to talk about, you know, what is this malaise that I'm feeling, this dissatisfaction that I have with, with my work and my career, and I realized I needed something more than just making money and having a stable job, which that was the lie that was forced upon me to think, if you make a certain amount of money, and if you have a regular job, you'll be happy. You know, it eliminates a lot of stress. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a, it's a uh, one thing to say that in 2020 when a lot of people have lost their jobs. so I do understand that. but let's go back to the to the before time the long, long ago. Um, so when I I realized that you know having this corporate job, it wasn't doing it for me. going through therapy, I realized that therapy was great and I was getting a lot of uh, help out of it and thought, well, as uh, as a male who is good at talking about feelings, articulating feelings and communication then this, this would be perfect for me to go into as a career. And I quit my job and I decided I'm gonna be a therapist and I was going to go into sex therapy. Uh, but then along the way, uh, I was married at the time and my marriage fell apart uh, for a number of reasons. My father died, um, marriage fell apart and um, basically life hit the reset button, um, hit rock bottom. Um, and while I was in grad school and broke, Um, I signed up for an art therapy class as an elective, you know, just, just because it looked interesting. The teacher uh, who was doing it, I knew that, that they were, um, I knew them from another context. I'm like, I'm I'm just going to do this, just do it. I'd taken art classes in high school and I drew in high school, but never really took anything seriously. And um, in this art therapy class, it was, you know, the semester right after that um, my uh, my wife had moved out, my ex-wife had moved out, and um, I was, you know, very deep into the throes of depression and loss and grieving, and I took those feelings into the art, and, and it was very therapeutic for me, it felt great, but then my friends noticed my work and they said, you're really good. You know, you should get your stuff out there. And then I had another friend to be like, Hey, you know, can I pay you to paint something for me? Like what you want to pay me to do art? You know, this is something I do for free
0: mm-hmm.
1: and way led on to way. And then, um, I submitted some work to, uh, to a local, uh, organization who exhibited new artists. My work got in, I got invited to another exhibition and, um, and then it hit me that, you know one of the things that I could do if I wanted to make a career out of doing art in St. Louis that you know I should paint uh, I had two options really this is my standard joke, So if you listen to any if you stalked me and listened to any of my other interviews you've heard this joke um, is that I had two options in St. Louis for painting subjects number one the cardinals or number two toasted ravioli mm. and so I decided well I'm going to start painting sports And um, not just, you know, uh, as a career to make money, I, as things started to fall into place, I thought, well, I was in a career before where I was making money, I missed the creative side of it, I've always loved to create. But the thing that I hated about copywriting is I didn't feel like I was helping people, I was just helping sell shit, you know, and it's that, what can I do that goes beyond that. And I didn't want to go down this path of doing art where I'm just creating shit for other people to buy, you know, just to be a, a, a production factory. So I thought, well, how can I use my work to do good in the world? And so that while I'm doing sports art, I should reach out to athletes in the area who are humanitarians and have charities and how can I use my art to help those charities and one of the first people that I worked with was Adam Wainwright, uh, St. Louis Cardinals and um, he, uh, he has a, a foundation I've done a lot of work with and I still work with, Big League Impact and, um, and he basically did a tremendous amount to help launch my career in terms of um, you know giving me visibility and then also just the 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 personal and professional validation of, oh my God, people will pay money for my art. They will pay high amounts of money for my art. So um, amounts of money that are sustainable um, for me to make a living. See, that's so old. It's like in, in 2016. Oh my God. It's still you know? impressive though.
0: So, uh, for those that can't thank see you, the thank screen. You. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna give a round of applause. You raised seventy over fi- $75,000 raised at charity events in 2016.
1: Yeah, it's like, and to me, it's like, that was a, thank you. That was a, uh, um <laughs> It was a low number up until this year when all the events have been canceled. But I am proud to say that my uh, artwork since I've started doing this as a career has helped raise over uh, a quarter of a million dollars for different charities at charity events. Holy moly. That's a number. Yeah. You know, and it's like I was was hoping to add to that number this year. That's been one of my frustrations this year is, you know, there's so many we're not being able to see people and not being able to to do art in public, which is a a big thing for me. But a a big pain point has been, I just have not been able to help out as many people and to raise money for charities as I have wanted. Mm -hmm. So something that I'm I'm certainly hoping to change in 2021 as the vaccines roll out.
0: Well, man, let me just say, first of all, uh, thank you for sharing all that. That's unbelievable. And what a story. Um, I'll tell you right now, personally, it's just, it's resonating with me quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Just from the standpoint of, uh, I've talked a lot about the lessons we're learning this year uh, out of 2020. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you right now, I've talked about this on the show before. Sorry if I'm a broken record, but um, I, it's almost like that what we were told, you know, was, wasn't necessarily true. Right. Well, we, as we were growing mm-hmm. up and as we got into the industry and capitalism had, you know, had its heyday throughout the 60s and the 80s. And then we get to ni- 1990 and 2000s. And it's a whole new world that I thought was like running really well. And then this year showed that, like, nothing's run really well, right? And it's like, oh, there's a lot more kind of flexibility and fluctuation in these infrastructures that are out here that, okay, maybe there's something that I can do myself that feeds my passion, that can do some good, and where I can still put some food on the table for me and my family. And it sounds like you went through this process where you landed at, like, that intersection? And what was it that eventually just pushed you over the edge? Was it like an opportunity of like timing? Was it more about like, oh, you saw the success of one project and you're like, let's try that again on a bigger scale. Like, what was it like for you to make that turning point from everyday career man to I'm going to do this myself?
1: It was, uh, as I was going through my grad school program and I started painting Gosh, that would have been twenty fourteen, and then I was graduating in spring of twenty fifteen. And as I was applying for jobs in twenty fifteen, I and I saw the entry level pay for uh, for first year graduates of a master's in counseling program. Um, unless you're going into private practice, which you know was not going to be an option for me at the time, the pay was not uh, it it was very low. And I thought, well, shit, I could do this, you know, with art, I bet, you know, Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have to worry about licensure. I wouldn't have to do a nine to five job. I wouldn't have to worry about these other things. There was the concern of just like looking back and like, well, shit, what did I spend the last three years of my life Mm -hmm. doing then? Um, but, uh, and that's where I see. So that's like, was the phase, phase two of my job or phase one, I don't know, but, and we'll get to this in a minute where I see where I'm going to incorporate the therapy part of it Mm -hmm. as, you know, we move forward. Um, But I just realized that it's like, you know what? I could probably do art and probably do just as well as I would as a first year uh, counseling program graduate. And I did, I, I more than exceeded it. Uh, I, you know, was more successful at that job or this job um, up until this year, than any job that I've ever had in my life, um, financially, personally, spiritually, all of those things. And um, and I was my own boss, you know, and that was, you know, as you know, it's, it's a, a really wonderful and freeing thing. Um, and uh, so it was that of realizing like, you know what, I don't really have anything to lose at this stage. And I can fall back on this degree if I need to at this stage.
0: Very cool. Well, you know we've talked a lot about you being an artist. I'd like to highlight some of your art if that's cool. Yeah, let's go for it. I'm thinking. I mean, I this is this show is called Mostly Superheroes, and you got a whole section on your website called Comic Books, and you also sent me some Dropbox folders with some also behind the scenes stuff that apparently the public hasn't seen. So I'm excited to share some of that with our listeners and our viewers. Where would you like to start? Is there some recent piece that you'd like to see? I I see you got Captain Marvel there behind you. You got our boy Superman. got Superman behind you.
1: Autographed by Brie. Oh, and. Autographed by Brandon Ralph. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, I knew that uh, from listening to your shows. That you said that you're a Superman guy, and so uh, so those were those were two. Um, you know, and it's funny. It's as I thought about 2020, I thought, God, I just really didn't do as much art as I wanted to. And that's kind of true, um, in the sense that all creatives need deadlines; otherwise, we'll just fart away the time, and you know, just you know, dick around and get distracted by you know, shiny things. Um, but, but you know, having events really helps uh, power that that engine of you know what's the next thing that I'm going to create. And I thought, God, I just really didn't have that as much this year, and I did not. So I created it at a different pace, and my output was not the same. But I do think that my level of art this year, also because I took an art class for the first time ever during the pandemic. I'm self-taught, by the way. I had I've never taken any any formal art training. Um, and I took an online class during the pandemic and it has really helped uh, me change my or elevate my my work to another level that I'm really excited about.
0: That's awesome, man. Uh, well, yeah, I definitely want to highlight some of these. I mean, you've met a lot of celebrities now. So this has started yeah. with, um, you know, you doing some charity work and getting some big exposure there. But I mean, it looks like, you know, just looking at your web- website and... You're Talk about Adam Wainwright. I you may, I we talked about this before we started recording, but I didn't realize the connection with Adam Wainwright and Disney's The Mandalorian. With uh,
1: well, that's that's uh, David Eckstein. Oh, I'm sorry, David Eckstein. Stein. I'm
0: this is, hey, you asked me too if I'm a big sports fan. I just showed you exactly how big of a like get the guys mixed up right away. You're fine,
1: <laughs> you're fine. We'll, we'll edit that out. We'll edit that no, out. No,
0: that's perfect. But you do have a picture with here with uh, Adam Wainwright, one of our St. Louis Cardinals. Um And you got to meet him. Yes.
1: Yeah. Adam and I are buddies. Um, he just won the Roberto Clemente award, which was awarded to uh, MLB players that do great uh, community work. And, um, and I texted him and uh, it's, it's a huge honor. And Adam totally deserves it. I'm so proud of him. And I texted him and I said, uh, Hey man, uh, Tom Hanks was wrong. Sometimes there is crying in baseball <laughs> and Roberto would be proud. And uh, you know, and he, he appreciated that. So What about Bill Clinton? Not,
0: How did this happen? How did you meet Bill Clinton? Is, oh, so he you got, you got him playing a saxophone to give you listeners some visuals, a nice drawing, uh, painting of Bill Clinton playing the sax.
1: Yeah, from his appearance on the Arsenio Hall show for his 1992 presidential run. <laughs> um, and that's why the blue background is Arsenio. It's a homage to Arsenio's blue uh, wall. Um, and uh, Bill and I are from the same hometown arkansas still believe in a place called hope wow
0: well it's just beautiful and though. just to say just give some props because it looks like he's almost popping out against that background it looks so great
1: so my pieces are also in 3d so when you wear a special pair of chroma 3d glasses the work actually pops out and that's a what? piece that uh that, that's actually bill's uh, property now it is hanging in his apartment at the uh, bill clinton presidential library in little rock arkansas so people which wear- is funny because he didn't he didn't realize that when i presented this to him it was at an event in hope arkansas he came to speak and um and i presented this to him and uh i think he just thought it was just like oh here's something that's going to be an installation and hope at this where he was speaking and it's like no it's for you mr president and uh he was really excited about that so so excited He, he, he put it in the uh the car on the on the way back to a uh, Little Rock where you spent the night uh, afterwards.
0: So well you had a you had a US president buy a piece of your art and it's hanging in their house. I think that's quite an accomplishment and shows the stride you made. So wait, I gotta ask more questions about the 3D. So they people wear the glasses yeah. like at the movies. <laughs> is that the same
1: thing? So it's a it's a different kind of technology. It's called chroma depth and it's all based around color. So the the way that it works is that it shifts color to move cooler colors back and it brings warmer colors forward. And so, you know, when you put on the glasses and you look at there's Brie Larson with my girlfriend, um, when I got to meet her, she had a really uh, awesome reaction uh, when I showed it to her um, that was in Chicago last year. Um, she, she. I told her, I said, she's like, oh, my God, this is great. And then I said, it's also in 3D, and I get a repair of the glasses. And she's like, get out of here. And I held it up and let her look at it. She says, holy shit. And she grabbed her phone, and she took a photo, and she put it on her Instagram story, oh my God. which is on my Instagram story. I, I copied it there. That was, that was a really, really fantastic moment um, uh, when, uh, when I saw that that had hit. Um, you know, and it showed that she she really did like it.
0: What so. was and uh, what was uh, what was Brie Larson like in person? Was she very friendly? Very so nice sweet,
1: and- so sweet, very warm, um, very kind, very engaging. Um, you know, and it was it was just really great to meet her and to um, just tell her thank you for her work that she does for. Uh, Planned Parenthood for the LGBT community that was really important. I mean in the in the climate of, of things that, are, that were going on in 2019 and 2020 and forward just to have someone that was uh being a metaphorical hero on the screen and a little little literal hero off screen is really really important. And My girlfriend she also was able to to share a nice moment with her as well and so it is was, was really really great. She I got to meet her Chris Hemsworth and Tom Holland, um, all that weekend. And that was, that was really, really fantastic. And they were, they were all great. And there's, there's stories to go with them all.
0: Yeah, for sure. What was the uh, occasion to, that you got to meet all of those, uh, big household MCU names? Wow.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, the ACE, uh, convention in Chicago. Um, and that's one of their things they bring in a listers. Um, they had in Tessa Thompson and, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was also there. Um, Some other folks as well. Norman Reedus, you know, The Walking Dead. Um, uh, Kieran something. She's Sabrina on uh, the Netflix Sabrina show. Yeah. Um, She was the the daughter on Mad Men. She was a sweetheart. Um, There were some other folks that were there too. Um, but, uh, that's one of the things that ACE, uh, does, uh, and they were going to have, you know, events all this year as well. I was slated to have some pieces signed in their Boston event that was, it was going to be held in mid-March and we know what happened then, but I had pieces for, uh, Chris Evans and Tom Hiddleston and Ewan McGregor and, uh, and they all just, they, they're all, they're all on the on the sidelines right now. So those will be unveiled at some point in the future. And, and I'll be going back to work on those and unveiling those as well.
0: Very cool. Well, very excited to see those. Uh, you'll definitely have to sh- let me know when those are up. Cause our fans are going to oh, go yeah. wild. I mean, MCU uh, is definitely, you know, takes up a lot of the airspace on here. It hasn't in the last few months, but now that phase four is kicking off, we're back in action, so um, I'll just tell you right now. I'm just flat out jealous of these people you've met. Like I, I'm over here smiling, and I'm just thinking, like, you know, this is. I'm so mad that I haven't got to meet any of these. <laughs> so you, you mentioned John Hamm and Mad Men. Uh, I don't think a lot of people yeah. listening probably realize this. This is another St. Louis celeb, um, and you got to meet him here. Here he is, right here. What he think of your art? That, that painting is just fantastic.
1: Thank you. Uh, he's awesome. You know, I I don't think that I've had any negative interactions with any celebrities directly. Um, there have been, you know, I've, I've heard about other celebrities that are difficult to deal with that I, but I have intentionally avoided, um, because I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin that perception mm-hmm. of that person. Um, but John was great. Um, uh, he was also at Adam's event, uh, Adam, he and Adam Wainwright are buddies. Cause you know, John's a huge Cardinals fan mm-hmm. and he was, uh, he was there. He did, a, he drafted a fantasy football team and, um, uh, I had a print of uh, this piece, actually, because uh, for him to autograph uh, a print is a copy. I had a copy of it. This is the original. That's the one that we auctioned off at the event. Um, but I had uh, him autograph a print, and he personalized it as I asked him to to my mother, uh, who is a big uh, uh, John Ham fan because she is a female. And as someone that produces estrogen, you are required to be a fan of John Hamm. Yeah, that is a ridiculously handsome man, people.
0: Yeah, he is, know. and uh, I mean, we just finished uh, rewatching yeah. Mad Men, and uh, you're you're right; he's just he's he's got it. You know, it, you're always looking for the like the people that have it, whatever that is. He's got yeah. it. He just walks around; and he's like the most handsome dude you've ever seen.
1: My dream pick for it to play an aged Batman, but. Uh... An agent, Ooh. Bruce Wayne. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, I w- definitely want to highlight some of your stuff that people haven't seen. Before that, have you met any uh, heroes that uh, of yours, like through this process, this journey you've been on? Because you've meeting these are just some uh, insane to me household names you've met. Have you come across any heroes of yours that have been like childhood favorites of yours?
1: You know, I think, man, unfortunately, my childhood heroes, like my top two, they've already passed away. Uh, Christopher Reeve and Walter Payton, Mm, you know, those are, those are two of my big ones. Yeah, Um, it's a good list. And, um, yeah, and uh, I've painted them a number of times and that's been great, but a lot of the times, you know, it's like I'm painting more contemporary folks. There are exceptions to the rule. Um, I don't get nervous a lot, uh, around meeting them because you realize they're people. I try to think, okay, if this were me as a therapist and they were in my office and I were seeing them as a client, then I would see them as a human being. But sometimes, you know, things could, that system gets, the override happens. Um, I, obviously Clinton, I was nervous about that, but you know, my nervous also sometimes comes out, it it comes out in humor. Um, And he was, he was really fantastic to me. And going through, there was a line that we went through for photographs and um, I had, Stationed the painting beforehand in the green room for him to see and I had asked the organizers, you know like to make sure that you know, he sees it and I you know I just would love to get a meet and greet just shake hand and then if at all possible I'd love to get a photograph with him and um, And the painting if it's possible and we just didn't know because security is so tight Well as I went through and we did the photo There's another photo of just me and him I think behind or in, in front of an American flag and uh And I said, uh, as I walked up to him, I said, Mr. President, thank you so much. I'm the artist that had the piece. But even before, like, I got that part out, he said, I want to talk with you. You did that amazing painting in the back. And would you mind just sticking around a little bit after and we'll go in the back and get a photo together? And I said, well, since you asked so nicely, I guess so. Uh, You're like, I guess I
0: have the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and it was funny because he he went, (laughs) ha, ha
0: oh yeah, like my this,
1: gosh this, this this smart ass that's a, you know that's I mean? a, a really yeah.
0: your impression is i feel like spot on
1: <laughs> <laughs> he he patted me on the back and and we walked to the to the uh to the green room and uh, he said i tell you man i love that i love that painting uh it, it you know when i was on arsenio i played uh heartbreak hotel and bless the child and it was so cool walking back with him because you realize um how much um being a leader at that level has to do with charisma. And that guy, whatever you feel about him, he is charisma personified. Mm. And that, you know, even if you have negative feelings about Trump, the guy's charisma, you know, if it's positive or negative, W, charisma, Obama, charisma. And as they are walking back, it's just the type of charisma that that Clinton has is he makes you feel like, You're the most important person in the room. Mm. And as we're walking back, he's patting me on the back like 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 my older uncle (laughs) would, you know, just being so friendly to me and just so kind and gentle and engaged. And it's like you are the leader of the free world.
0: Yeah, I'm talking to I'm talking to the president and he's just like we're just like Mm -hmm. two buddies hanging out right now.
1: Yeah, which, you know, there are multiple kinds of charisma, which is, you know, another thing that I've read about. And, you know, there's the charisma that, you know, the person that I think this particular book, it was like there were like five kinds, but the two that I remember are the one I just said where you're the most important person in the room and then the one where that individual makes you basically supplicate to the fact that they are the most important person in the room. And so I I prefer to be the one that is going to be the more... Um, engaged in and present to you, except when I'm on a a, a podcast interview, then it's all about me.
0: Yeah. Right. Except for this exact moment. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We talked about this at the beginning, you know, we're having an interview. There is a level of ego, but you got to have a level of ego. If you're going to be painting the two people you're painting, the people you're going to be conversing with, there's a level of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And like you said, at the end of the day, you realize that every person is a person, you know, you build these things up, you build people up in your heads, and at the end of the day, on the other side of that screen or that video that you're watching, they're a person that's just living day to day, just like you.
1: <laughs> right. And one of the things that artists talk about, even the ones that you know are not necessarily engaging with celebrities or whatever, when you're creating something from scratch and then you're taking it to an audience and then trying to say like, this is what my, the value of my piece is either intrinsic value, monetary value, whatever it is. There's a thing that we hear about that imposter syndrome, you know, where it's like, you feel like, do I even deserve to be here? You know, am I really, I feel like I'm just fooling everyone. And I think that good artists and good people have that feeling, you know, it's the ones that don't second guess that they're psychopaths you know well, yeah, but it's because just then the- you
0: shift from uh then you shift from uh not being good enough to entitlement and then that's you know it's a whole yeah. different thing and it's like well if you start acting entitled it's, it's very visible it's not attractive and people aren't going to work with you if you be humble and a human and say these are the things i'm good at this is what i'm doing and that's it then people are often left with well that makes sense
1: yeah yeah absolutely and you know, and it's i i know that i am uh i am at my best when I am working from a place of gratitude and you know to 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 be grateful for the attention the recognition the regard the time that people give me that is when I know that I'm living my best life. And that's why, you know, every time that we've talked, I've said, you know, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. I just really appreciate it. And you're like, know, oh, thank you. Thank you. So, but yeah, so it's, it's just, uh, it's uh, it, it's a good mindset to have.
0: Yeah. And realizing that nobody owes anybody anything. We're all just here. Yeah. Well, cool, yeah, man. Uh, well, I would definitely want to focus on some stuff in terms of TV and film in 2021, because you've mentioned a couple of things that we both watch, and that's uh, mostly superheroes. We're a TV and film podcast. Um, right. but before that, though, just to highlight a couple of your newer pieces, some things that ones that I'm spotting out and I'm going to highlight for people. Um, we are having this week. It's probably going to be tomorrow. Recording wise, the Batman Returns Qu- Christmas special. Uh, you may have that's heard about heard. it. Yeah. you've been listening to our show. We appreciate that more than you'll ever know. And I see right here, uh, this looks like Keaton's Batman, right?
1: Yes, it is. Autographed by Michael Keaton And at the very bottom. Did you meet him? I did not. Okay. He had an event in San Antonio, and that was one that I had to send away for. My girlfriend and I, we talked about it. It was right after we had done the event in Chicago with the Marvel guys. And she is a huge Beetlejuice fan. And, you know, and as someone that's a big Batman fan, it's like, oh, what's his first ever meet and greet? And, you know, we thought about it. We looked at it. At, you know airline prices were like you know what we'll just we'll just sit this one out and in retrospect I'm really glad that I just did a send-in because the photographs and from the event of people with Michael Keaton he kept his sunglasses on the whole time it was almost like he was pre-social distancing before it was cool you know you were way over on the other side of the room. whereas you know with um the Marvel folks uh You know, at Chicago, they were doing hugs and all kinds of poses with people. And so it it was, I was glad that I didn't do that. But anyway, but that also kind of dovetails into the thing that I'm curious about going forward in 2021 and the future is like, what do conventions look like with mass gatherings of people and, you know, with celebrities and uh, in person autograph signings and especially with sports shows that I do which is usually older people who are going to be more susceptible of things it's just i don't know it's just a, an interesting um word of really a very interesting time right now and I'm curious to know how how uh 2020 is going to impact those things going forward
0: yeah same here and i've already seen you know um personally professionally and like you know i i think you know through uh, how we met our buddy Jeremy. I'm very involved with the uh, local St. Louis Advertising Club. We've been, you know, we went from totally in-person, totally 100% virtual. I've also seen Comic Con already making some shifts from like in person to. I think actually I have one tomorrow. I have a Pac Man. They have like a honorary like fifty year Pac Man anniversary virtual oh, cool. event tomorrow. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna attend, right? You know, um, right. But like I don't know. I think it depends on like what's gonna happen with this vaccine. Like is this are these things really gonna get things opening up? Maybe there's like a period of time where things like are hybrid and like you might get like twenty people there. Those tickets cost a lot, you know. Um, right. Who knows? I'm excited to see what it is um all right looking at your other stuff here I, i'm you, you know we talked about the man of steel let's let's make this one uh our last one we'll talk about and then we'll get into some tv and movie stuff i'm gonna pause real quick do you, are, we scheduled this till three do you have a hard stop at three or can you go over
1: no we can we can go till five yeah we're good oh
0: nice okay well um when we get talking about tv and stuff if you have the time we'll, we'll just let it loose
1: yeah 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 i'm totally fine
0: oh cool well then i'm in no rush at all then um, uh, listener you're awesome. listener you're very welcome you're getting plenty of content today um all right i love this christopher reeve uh this is another time where i have to plug our youtube channel if you're listening and you're like i really want to see these we are sharing these as we're going along this christopher reeves one man it's like him five of him from suit like businessman suit to superman suit and i i i love it i think i'm gonna have to buy it from you is where i'm at with it <laughs>
1: Uh, well, I highly encourage that. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is uh, a commission piece by a huge fan, a huge Chris Reeve fan um, who lives in uh, Cape Girardeau, mm-hmm. a really great guy. So, hey, Andrew, if you're listening, um, but he and I talked about this piece for years of him wanting to do, he's like, I really want to do a, um, an alleyway Superman two transforming piece, you know, Clark to Superman. And I was like, man, i I'd love to do it. And so I reached out to my buddy, Jim Bowers, um, who is, uh, if you're a Superman, the movie fan, check out his podcast and his website, Cape Wonder. He and, uh, and Jay Towers, they do a wonderful job keeping the legacy of the Superman Reeve, uh, uh, movies alive and well. I think I follow uh, them on social media. Yeah, they're great. They're really, really great. And Jim, um, he is so fastidious and that it just, he is a Kryptonian bank unto himself when it comes to, you know, uh, knowledge of these movies. And he had these amazing screen captures of this sequence. And you know, I reached up to him and I said, hey, you know, it's like, I'd love to to use your work. Would you mind if, you know, if I did, you know, for this? And he's like, absolutely. And um, then I've got a print for him, that I still need to mail him uh, (laughs) that, uh, that, you know, as a thank you for him. But this was a lot of fun to work on. This was in this transition period, no pun intended. (laughs) um, When I was moving, uh, trying to do different things with colors and whatnot this year, it was right. I started this piece when I started taking the art course. And so it's like this hybrid of me trying different things with mid tones and neutrals that you don't see in my other pieces I'm not to get too you know artistically nerdy um, with it that you know and, and it's so funny because as in in taking these uh, are it I think it's always been true but it's especially true right now as I'm trying to push my art forward um that every time I look at a previous piece and like damn, I could have done this so much better had I done X, Y, and Z. And so that's why people say, you know, what's your favorite piece? And my answer is the next one.
0: And that's, I think that's a great answer. And from a guy that understands project like fixation and based work, you're Mm -hmm. always pushing the envelope. Right. And first of all, I had an artist on my show to interview, never apologize for talking about nerdy artistic stuff. That's the whole point of the day. <laughs> and speaking of which, you mentioned their 3D pieces. So talking a, bit, a little bit how you paint it. So you mentioned that the Christopher Reeves piece we looked at was when you were kind of learning. So what style of painting you know, have you been doing, do you do, and like, where are you going in the future in terms of your style and how these are created?
1: Well, I think the big thing <laughs> is um, it's not unlike how... I realized, so I started my art career, and then I started reading books about how to market yourself. And what I realized is that I was already doing. I got uh, one of my favorite books is uh, Content Inc. by Joe Palitzky about content marketing. And I realized that I was already content marketing. I had just backed my way into it, but it just that book helped give me a different kind of a roadmap, a more of a uh, a formal understanding, a structure. To understanding why the things that I was doing worked, and it's not—that's kind of what I've been doing with the art—is uh, that I didn't understand, or I hadn't, and I had like an instinctual understanding about what values are, meaning lights and darks, and how that works, and what chroma is, and I—I um, I didn't know how to articulate these things. So what the classes have done have helped me understand not only like this is. Uh, how to do this well, but this is why this works in this piece and it doesn't in another. It's not unlike a chef who, if you get a recipe and then you make a dish, you are like, oh, that tasted really good. There's a difference between doing that and following a recipe as compared to understanding how each individual ingredient works towards the final piece. And so, I mean, it's again, a high concept dancer, um, but that's, that's, I, I'm, I'm getting an education while also trying to retain the style that has helped me remain dis- or to be distinct in, in the market.
0: Great. Well, no, it's, I think it's a great answer, and I appreciate kind of the behind the scenes. A lot of the takeaways that I like for uh, really this segment specifically is not just to tell cool stories about cool people, but, um, you know, this is obviously going to resonate with artists out there. And I like for them to hear kind of like your journey, the way you're working and understanding, you know, pieces that made you successful. Because at the end of the day, we all want to be successful. And the more we can help other artists, you know, it's a big piece of what we're doing today today. It's to doing today. So I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. And it's a, it's a passion of mine to help other artists. And to me, people have asked me a number of times, oh, would you do art lessons? I'm like, absolutely not. Because. I still don't know how to paint, you know, it's like, I'm doing all this, I'm winging it. And I think it would be irresponsible for me to teach someone how to do something. If I don't, if I don't understand how i I can teach you my process, but that's not really teaching you like good fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's like helping other artists. I have done seminars on how to market your art. Because as I have told, I, the thing I've consistently said is I'm an okay artist, but I'm fantastic at marketing. And now what I've been doing with the pandemic is like, okay, well, to kind of bridge the gap between I've got instincts that have served me well in the marketplace, both you know the business side of it and the creative side of it. But it's like, I need to bridge the gap and understand more about how to create better pieces. And that's to kind of make up for you know, I don't. I don't have any formal training, and to you know, to understand things better, to have, to learn the language, um, and to to basically get fundamentals that uh, that I didn't, that I, I was never born with. Like, so one of my one of the artists that I love is Leroy Neiman, and um, even if the casual viewer doesn't know who Leroy Neiman is, if you've ever seen Rocky Three, the very ending scene when uh, Rocky and Apollo punch each other and it freezes. On the punch, and then it, it does a crossfade into a painting of that punch. That's a Leroy Neiman painting, and Leroy Neiman is also in the Rocky movies. He's the guy with the crazy mustache. <laughs> they did these, you know, very splattery, very colorful paintings. And I was like, yeah, when I first started painting, I'm like that's my guy. That's who I want to be. But then as I started reading, I'm like, there are a lot of people that are super critical of Leroy Neiman's stuff for certain reasons. You know, he make, he he uses paint straight out of the tube, and I'm like, oh, that's wrong. It's like. Not wrong, but it's like it. It's not. It's unsophisticated. It's something that uh, is. Um, it, it, it's something that uh, it, it's uh, maybe. Is it like the auto tune version of singing? Possibly. Yeah, sounds like it's, it's like a, a, it
0: sounds like it's like a taboo, generally speaking, in terms of how to do it.
1: Yeah, it's something that's it's certainly looked down upon and it's that what happens is that if you're doing that, then if you're using paint out of the tube, then anybody who uses paint out of the tube can mimic your colors and mimic your color scheme. That's what I learned later. But I'm like I realized that I was, you know, following a guy who not necessarily that esteemed for reasons that I liked him for, that it's like I kind of needed to reverse engineer that. And to take another look at my work, and that's what that's what twenty twenty has been about for me. It's not how I I thought it was going to be. I thought twenty twenty was going to be a move for me into public speaking and performance art and helping other people because I had a TED Talk set up for the spring. I was uh, slated to be the the in person keynote speaker at my high school's graduation, uh, former high school's graduation, and I was going to you know continue to to form that. Um, but then as you know, in person events are canceled you know, I had to pivot. And Mm -hmm. so rather than going outward to helping other people, I went inward to strengthen myself.
0: Well, that's great, man. I think the most important thing is, uh, the lesson there is one that's been very much, you know, reiterated here in the last few months. I'm hearing it more and more, but people that knew early on, you know, you had to pivot, you know, couldn't just sit. And, 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 and and it's like, if this changed and this gets taken away and I can't go this route for you, that was the in-person stuff. It's like, what can I do? What can I do to improve myself? What can I do to improve my skill set? All right. Well, before we wrap up the art piece and kind of talk about the TV and film stuff, um, (coughs) what are you most excited about working on that people can look forward to seeing in the future? And why don't you tell people where it's best to find your art? Mm,
1: So many pieces, but I'll keep it germane to the conversation and say that I do have a a Mandalorian piece uh, with Grogu that uh, I've got conceptually in my head. Um, and then as soon as like the the storm passes for the end of the year, uh, I am going to be moving on to that, hopefully for 2021, uh, doing a piece to that. I've got um, some Marvel stuff that uh, that's in the hopper that I have not gotten to get a chance to do um, as uh, I've got a, a Gal Gadot piece that I was hoping to have done uh, by Christmas, uh, which I don't know that I will, but since, you know, it's going to be released on Christmas at home, uh, I thought that would be really appropriate to have it ready by then. I don't know if it's going to be uh, up by then, but I wanted to have it as a companion to the Linda Carter piece that we see on the screen at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's uh, it's the exact same pose as that, It's uh, but it's just, you know, like four years later of, you know, me improving as an artist. Uh, so. But yeah, that's actually one one of my Trinity with Chris Reeve, Michael Keaton, and uh, Linda Carter. Yeah, and I see a and lot of I, those.
0: I see a lot of those, uh, like you said, Trinity crossovers. And I mean, just to give some of you listeners an idea of some of the pieces he had, uh, Stephen has done. Just mentioned Linda Carter, Wonder Woman. We already talked about uh, Brie Larson's Captain Marvel. Christopher Reeves, of course. We also have chris hemsworth thor uh looks like is that sam Raimi's spider-man uh it's
1: uh it's uh uh, tom holland's that's tom
0: holland's it's a i mean the stark
1: suit at Mm -hmm. this point
0: they're all blurring for me because the spider-man news is overwhelming lately Uh, (laughs) um lots of superman stuff you know touching my heartstrings and i didn't even highlight any of these but i see you got some wrestling ones in here too
1: i do got the stinger sting came to uh to st louis for an event and uh as a fan of um, the crow version of sting. That was, I had to paint one that also had the surfer version of that. So that was cool. Um, also Hulk Hogan got to meet him as well. And um, I wasn't nervous when I met him, but it, I was, I, if you, I don't know if the photo, yeah, there's the photo of meeting him. Um, you know, I'm cheesing so hard in this photo. But it's like my, <laughs> you are,
0: man, you're smiling
1: so big. And dude, set, I'll, I'll, set, tell you, I'll tell you
0: right now, I've actually been made fun of on this show Sting is my favorite wrestler. So. Sting's awesome. <laughs> I, I agree. The baseball bat, the jacket—I was totally him for Halloween when I was twelve. Uh,
1: yeah, oh God, yeah, I was—I was howling for him at Mardi Gras when I was in lived in New Orleans. Ooh, so love was, Gras, I Love Mardi Gras. Love So, old, old so
0: Hulk Hogan, though, you're you're teasing. Yeah. Marty. So,
1: I was my, seven-year-old Steven is very happy in this photo, <laughs> and uh, I don't—I don't mean to brag or anything, but uh, he did call me brother. Um, oh dad. man, like brother? Uh, like that? He he did yeah. it. He was great. I walked up to him and, uh, and I had the painting in front of me. He just goes, he just kind of stopped and he just like, is this you? And I said, well, technically it's you, sir. <laughs> and he was like, he rolled his eyes he's like, it's like, get over here. You know, it's like, that's awesome. And then he um Jimmy Hart was with him. And he, Jimmy Hart was in the back. He's like, it's like Jimmy, Jimmy, come over here. Look at this, man. Check this out. And you know, and I gave Hogan the glasses and he thought that was awesome. And you know, the promoters were, they were pissed off at me because you know, I'm holding up the line. But um but you know Hogan was great and uh and they had me step aside and um they interviewed me for a little bit for something that he was doing for his website yeah because i i picture these
0: not to cut you off i picture these conventions right so do you Mm -hmm. go to these conventions as an attendee and then you have the art right so you're just like i have it and you just kind of let people see it and then at that all of a sudden a conversation's going
1: this one i was i was a vendor um i was actually at head booth at that was at the um the National, uh, that was in Cleveland in 2018. Okay. Um, and I'd, I'd done the year before in 2017 as well. And The National is a gigantic sports uh, collectible show. It is amazing. I highly recommend it. But they branched out to also include some pop culture folks. like They've had Barbara Eden. They've had Henry Winkler. You know, just uh, really strange. And But then Hulk, I mean, it's sports entertainment. So we had huge crossover appeal. Hulk was great. He stayed probably longer than anyone else there doing autographs. He took breaks because, you know, what he also did was he made time to spend and chat with every single fan. Going back to the Clinton thing, right, is that you realize that he's not just famous and doesn't have the level of fame that he does because he's six foot seven and big. And, you know, he's not a very good wrestler. You know, he's not a very good technical wrestler, you know, but his charisma. His making you feel like you're important it's just it's absolutely off the charts and that's that's a that's a really special feeling when that happens and i know you know people could say it's generated it's manufactured i don't know he gets something out of it you know i think that he he certainly is rewarded by that um and he he gives back to his fans in that way And i know there's controversy around hulk with some of the things that he said um, some really shitty things that that he said uh, specifically, and I was conflicted about painting this uh, for a while. And it's I I still retain some guilt of of some stuff that you know Hulk's caught on tape saying that's not great. But this is one like one of the few times there are other pieces that I have started or I have wanted to paint, but I'm like I can't because that would be an endorsement of this person's shitty behavior. Mm. Michael Jackson hugely important to me, right. you know, as a Gen Xer, but you know, he abused children, right? It Uh, it
0: starts to become difficult, but like, you also still have like these things of like, I experienced this person, this star my entire life and this light, you
1: know? Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a really slippery slope and it's one of those things that someone can say, Oh, well, you're being totally, you know, hypocritical here. And this is an area where I would say, yeah, you're right. I absolutely am. And, um, 40 43 year old steven whenever it was when i met him um you know totally gets that dichotomy but seven-year-old steven really wanted me to finish that painting and meet that guy yep so well
0: i think it's very uh, i think it's cool that you had that mission inside and you're like well i'm gonna finish this thing and it looks yeah fantastic and I'll tell you I have heard we've talked about the whole Hogan stuff on this show I appreciate you addressing it but like as far as this painting goes and him being a childhood hero to most of people especially our age our our demographic like we know that history but you know people change over time we see that <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's also that um, I also don't
0: know that much about it either. Like, I don't want to mislead anybody. Like, I like Mike filled me in, and like now you know we've talked about it here, but I still don't even know that much about what the guy has done. But I know he said some
1: some controversial stuff. Yeah, he said some some really uh, racist, some really vile racist shit. Damn, um, and that sucks. Yeah, it is, and that's. <laughs> I saw a a meme on Reddit yesterday, and it just said that um, our parents. It took them forty years for them to find out. What a shitty person their hero was. But here we are learning this shit in real time, you know. So it's like, you know, uh, we've got the edge, or you know, the younger generation has the edge. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, but and it raises the interesting point, as all of all of this does. I mean, with me painting these famous people, there is a kind of edification that's going on here. There is a kind of hero worship that is happening here, and it's that where do where do we draw the where do I draw the line as an artist? And clearly, I cross that line for Hulk. But there were others, you know, Michael Jackson, I wouldn't. Jim Brown is mm-hmm. a good one, running back for the Cleveland Browns, who is amazing. I loved him. He's fucking hilarious, and I'm gonna get you sucker. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's like, and I thought, oh, this would be cool because he was at the same event in Cleveland, you know, yeah, obviously. And uh, I thought, well, Hall of Fame running back. I don't know how many more signings he's going to do. This would be great. And then as I was researching him and I was working on this painting, in the middle of the painting, I realized that he has a tremendous history of domestic violence. Oh, and I'm like, that is, and nothing that he's ever really held accountable for or, you know, apologized in any, you know, or made reparations for in any significant way. And to me, it's just that, And I stopped the painting, you know, in mid painting, even though I'd already put it on the work in progress online, like this is what I'm working on and it looked really good too. So I was, I was upset with that part of it, but I'm like, you know what? It doesn't outweigh the suffering of the women that he had inflicted pain on.
0: Right, you know. Yeah, you, so. just, you have that, that level set. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to apply this to something. Like if I was working on a big episode about somebody, and then like this news comes out, and this these, it's like, mm-hmm. well, damn, you know, it's like can't control. But hey, you got plenty of paintings of people out there. Is, that is there are someone real-
1: in your in your pantheon of heroes? Are there people that you have personally canceled? And are there people that you're like, damn, I should cancel him, but I'm going to give him a pass.
0: Yeah, no, that's, um, that is like the line that I think everyone lands on. And, uh, you know, you can get like, you know, just talk about specifically like Michael Jackson, right. Just to really talk uh-huh. about like a heavy topic. But I, I was the person that like, and I, it's like, I don't want to, I was at that. Like, I don't want to listen to their music anymore. More. I don't want to hear it. I was like, yeah. I bet, I was like, I, there's plenty of music in the world. And there's so much out there that does keep, like, is, like, you know, positive and life-changing and makes you feel good. But at the same time, it's like, gosh, this guy that had this monumental, like, the biggest pop star of all time also mm-hmm. has this complete dark side of who he was. And it's like, right. man, that sucks. I think the biggest thing that sucks is that it gets, it gets uh, it, I think, with that situation, you look back at documentaries and stuff, and it just seems like a lot of it was people, like, not acknowledging it and a lot of blind eye sure. a lot of people letting things fly to where it could have probably been nipped in the butt like like pretty early and had that happened like none of us would have to even feel this way but because like this giant army of executives and agencies and people that wanted money in their pockets pushed this guy to the top that's like that's where i get like don't ask me to choose because it's not my fault we're in this situation mm-hmm. but where do you land personally at the end of the day am i going to listen to thriller I don't know like if it's on at a bar I'm not going to like leave the bar you know <laughs> but <laughs> right, like sure, I'm, but sure. I'm not like seeking it out anymore I'll tell you that that's kind of where it- I that's where I land personally
1: you're right. And it certainly colors your experience of it now. And I know we're talking about it in selfish terms of what does this do for me? It's mm-hmm. like, not the fact that, Oh, he raped children, but you know, right. we'll put that aside for a second. Cause we're talking about how as fans, cause it's a fan related podcast. So we're going to talk about child abuse. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. the no.
0: listeners here. We're getting, you're getting your, uh, your serious yeah. notes
1: here today. So so it's one thing for me to, and I'll tell you a full disclosure you know, when I got the Sega Genesis, Moonwalker was one of the first games that I got, because I was a huge fan of MJ at the time, and uh, and loved it, and even though it was a shitty game, it's like, I still loved it, um, and it's one thing to, like, boot up the emulator, and be like, you know what, okay, maybe I will, or maybe I won't play it now, as compared to, as an artist, choosing to publicly, you know, celebrate, if I were to paint him in a way that were, you know, like, everything else you know that i did which is usually a positive commentary now if i painted a piece that expressed this dichotomy of michael the amazing entertainer and michael the monster you know i don't know that that's that's another thing but by and large you know the the statements that my pieces make have always been on the side of the positive that i can think of i mean there are a couple of that i've done that have that have you know had other messages but the ones that are generally meant for mass consumption they're They're positive. Yeah, and that's and and
0: that's definitely the goal of this show too, is like we're looking for the good in people and we're trying to make trying to make good things happen around it. And like honestly, when people like usually it's someone like pushing that topic, I feel like it's like a general perception of like how they feel and they're trying to figure out like I have I have people in my life that like, you know, I die, they're like, I'm always gonna listen to it. And I'm like, why do you Mm -hmm. have to have such an opinion on that? Like, you, like if you wouldn't have brought it up, like we wouldn't even have like talked about it. But like you wanted. Is this to the them. hill you want to die on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like you didn't have to. Like you could just listen to it and like not tell anyone.
1: <laughs> funny story. somebody <laughs> asked. Uh, so funny. Um, we were getting ready to go visit her family, and she had family in Mississippi. It was for Christmas. It was like the first time that I was going to meet her family, her big extended family, and um, I was going to meet her grandmother. And uh, this was in like, oh, five, I think. And so, and so I'm getting the intel. And I'm like, okay, so like, you know, who do I need to know? Who do I need to talk to? What subjects, you know, do I talk about? What subjects do I avoid? And, um, and my ex, she says, okay, well, when it comes to Memo Mary, you can talk about anything, but don't ever mention that you think OJ Simpson is guilty. I'm like, oh what, an, what an, what an <laughs> odd fucking thing for a white woman in Mississippi to have strong opinions about, you know, like, how is this the topic that gets everybody going? Yeah. That's, 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 that's Norbert from naked gun. Don't talk about TD Parker from first and 10 like that. I mean, it's just, yeah, that's great, man. Well, how about,
0: how about this? I think that uh, what we'll do is I think it's a great time to take a quick break. And we're going to come right back. And when we come back, we're going, me and you are going to talk about some 2021 movies and film, what we're excited for, what we think the industry might look like. And we'll let know, let people know where they can find you, find your art and all that kind of stuff. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, podcast listeners. This is Chris Holsey. I'm the host of the new true crime podcast, Small Town Forgotten. In the first season, I focus on a very personal cold case. 31 years ago, my family member, Jimmy Wade Martin, was murdered in front of multiple witnesses in Bonterre, Missouri. A murder weapon was found and a man confessed, and yet there have been no convictions and no justice for Jimmy Wade's twin daughters. You can listen to Small Town Forgotten directly from our website, smalltownforgotten.com, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, folks, welcome back uh, to Mostly Superheroes, another edition of Logan's Heroes. We're here with Stephen Walden, local St. Louis artist, covering uh, the art he does, the charities he contributes to, the many celebrities he's met, and also controversial topics like Michael Jackson. We talk about everything.
1: (laughs) Um, Super topical, too, let me tell you. Super topical. Michael Jackson, yeah, he's really trending right now, isn't he?
0: (laughs) And I I was asking Stephen in the break because I wanted to know honestly, but you said you are having fun.
1: I am. No, this is fantastic. Thank you. And uh, uh, I don't know, maybe we're, we'll give your uh, your viewers something uh, to fire off in the comments about.
0: That would be great. You know, anything we can get them uh, excited about or even agitated. Agitated gets some good attitude.
1: That's, that's what I'm wondering if might happen. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, all right. Well, with that, we are going to turn up the dial to some easy digestible content for you. It's TV and music, and it's going to be uh, actually a section that, from our regular program show that we're going to start bringing into these interviews. It's, of course, What You Watching. What You Watching. It's pretty funky, right?
1: I love it. It's like Streets of Rage 2. Oh, nice. See, we're
0: already already talking about it. (laughs) <laughs> um, so what you watch and this is a segment it kind of explains itself we talk week by week like what I'm watching The my, my listeners know I'm watching all sorts of things right now I want to hear from you Stephen. what are you watching recently and what are you most excited about going into the new year that way we can have like a path of what you're watching and then we can get into yeah. next year
1: I mean default answer is Mandalorian oh, yeah. I mean anybody who's anyone oh my god what what a love letter to star wars fans that show is it's just it's rewarding you know all sects of fandom s-e-c-t-s of fandom of uh you know in terms of you know are you a prequel fan are you ot are you a fan of you know the caravan of courage are you a fan of video games they're bringing in stuff when they brought in the dark troopers from dark forces i just i shrieked oh and shrieked when Uh, Ahsoka mentioned Grand Admiral Thrawn as, you know, a huge fan of the Timothy Zahn novels. That was just unbelievable, which the Zahn novels are totally underrated for pretty much being responsible for the Star Wars Renaissance that we had in the early 90s and having the special editions and the prequels and all that, Um, that, uh, that if you hated the Disney sequels, You'll love the Timothy Zahn uh, trilogy of the, the Grand Admiral Thrawn uh, trilogy. The Heir of the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and The Last Command. Amazing novels. So.
0: Amazing novels. And I'll tell you right now, you are already, I'll say uh, we'll keep it in space, you're light years ahead of us <laughs> um, in terms of Star Wars knowledge. I talked to you about this. This is something that we have been continuously looking for. So it sounds like you might have to be coming back on the show to help us with some Mandalorian lore
1: would love to would absolutely oh my god i, I literally just got chills oh dude that's that's that.
0: what we that's the magic we're looking for <laughs> um dude let me just let me just say right, there, right now totally agree like from a guy that um i've said this before many times on the show i i grew up a star wars fan but i didn't get ingrained in like the graphic novels i never watched the animated show the uh the clone wars it, mm-hmm. it stopped with it stopped and began with the films sure. love the original films the prequels as a child i love them re-watching them i'm like Oh, these are very boring. I realize now, uh, fan, uh, the, the episode three, you know, that's obviously the highlight of those films for me. And then the, the new ones, I've said this multiple times. It left me with a weird taste in my mouth. Like not, not necessarily very bad or very good, but I watched the last, like, first of all, the second movie, just like what? And then the third movie, the last 30 minutes, I'm like, holy cow, this is stuff that I just, was not anticipating.
1: <laughs> You know, God God bless the sequel trilogy. Um, (laughs) They tried, um, and they succeeded in making money, but it's like, it's so interesting, and and you look at the trajectory of how, uh, you know, the first one, The Force Awakens, comes out, and then The Last Jedi, which splits critics and fans like crazy, And then The Rise of Skywalker tries to be this Applebee's menu of making everybody happy and making no one happy. Um, And that, you know, it's just, it's really unfortunate. It feels squandered, you know, that we had, you know, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher for, you know, one and a half movies, two movies, and, you know, Harrison Ford for all three, and this is what we got when we could have had something different. And I'm going to go back to what I was listening to from the show that I was listening to on um, earlier today. You're a big Lost fan. Oh, and yeah. Oh, yeah. One of one of my criticisms of Lost is the same for the Star, Star Wars sequel trilogy. J.J. Abrams is great at setting up a story with his mystery boxes. His payoffs are shit. And that's what happened, especially when... He handed it off to Ryan Anderson in Last Jedi when he totally did, you know, his own, you know, he did his swerve subverting expectations, um, which, you know, it's like I don't have an issue with uh, what a lot of the the, the toxic fan base has issue with, with uh, Last Jedi and, you know, bashing Rose and hating, you know, women for the sake of hating women. Um, you know, I love that. But there are legitimate criticisms of what happened to Finn? You know, it's like the Rose story. You know, it went nowhere. It meant nothing. The, the, the...
0: you know what fell oh, short for me. This is you, this is you know felt no no. I love uh, I like to call out some of the specifics because I I've, I've been kind of vague about this and I think I've I've done that on purpose right because you don't want to stick to something that's gonna piss a lot of people off because you know this these these movies are that fan base is is vo- you know they'll be voiceful <laughs> they'll let yeah, you know yes like, but like rake and ray and kylo's kiss uh ray like getting all of the jedi and then fighting with two lightsabers against palpatine that like palpatine like what in the world like i was just and i knew and I, it's just like you said i've said this too they try to play to all these audiences especially like now being disney household name like they're like we got to hit on all cylinders and when you do that, I feel like certain parts really fell short. Then there's parts the movie itself, the overall film, I do like it. I mean, there's some great parts with uh whenever you do get like the whole team doing stuff. You get Ray, Finn, C three PO, R2 D2, Chewbacca, like getting like they're running from the 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 whoever they're running from at that part of the movie, Ray's using the force, uh, and then she blows up the thing. Like there's some really amazing parts, but I'll tell you right now where we started with this, and this is what I, this was my whole point. The Mandalorian comes out of this of this thing of like, I don't even know what this is going to be. Like, I know who Boba Fett is. I know how he, what well, you know what happened to him in the second movie. And so like, who's this character? And here we are in season two and it is some of the best storytelling on screen that I have
1: seen in years. Yeah, uh, God bless John Favreau. You know, yes, I mean, he's exactly. the guy that, I once saw somebody that, they were bemoaning X-Men three when Brett Ratner was directing it after the two great Brian Singer movies. And I know speaking of problematic people, Brian Singer, but we'll, we'll save our molesting for later. <laughs> um, but, uh, but Brett Ratner was tapped and somebody described Brett Ratner as Brett Ratner's the kid that you invite over to come and play masters of the universe with, and then he'd make merman fly. And it's like, yeah, absolutely, it's like you would get it fucking wrong, whereas Jon Favreau is the guy that, no, Merman lives underwater, and I know the backstory, and, and all this other stuff, and it's like Jon Favreau, as he showed with Iron Man, you know, that when you give him toys, he knows how to play with them, you know, even if it's a, a nonsensical go-nowhere show like Iron Man 2 was, it's still enjoyable. But when you give him time to, you know, spin out over a season, he and Dave Filoni, and there's a wonderful extra on um, season one at the very end on Disney Plus. If you look, it's like one of the last episodes. And um, Dave Filoni, I think is he describes, he says, this show is like, okay, so imagine we've gotten all the hand-me-down toys from our older brother, except he got all the cool ones all the, we get the Ugnot, you know, we get the goofy thing from the Ewok TV show, but we have a really cool Boba Fett that was spray painted silver, you know? And it's like, yeah, that's it. And it's like, they have done so much with, I don't want to say so little, but the thing that, that I started to question after Rise of Skywalker, I'm like, and Solo, when those came out and I'm like, I've got franchise fatigue, which I don't have with Marvel and with what was when solo and rise of skywalker and also last jedi which left me cold i one of the things i said to my my nerd group is i was like i don't think that star wars has the same breadth and depth that marvel does you know it this is something that was created by one guy and has been expanded on for yeah 40 years but also kind of half-assed because it was dormant for between like 83 and 92, or whenever it was. And then it came back, you know, uh, more and more. And it's just, it didn't feel the same as compared to Marvel, which has been around since the 40s, you know, and has been built on and built on and built on and has changed with times and cultural things. And it's been more of a, a reflection of, uh, there's just more of a maturing process with, uh, or an evolving of characters and whatnot. And I just thought, God, Star Wars is just a more shallow pool. Mandalorian showing me that's not the case, you know, not at all. You can still play and have a really great time with those goofy-looking Ughnok characters and, you know, the assassin droid that the IG eighty-eight that you know when we had as a kid, it was like, how does this thing even walk? You know, it was like it was, it's just so like even stiffer than Gort from Day the Earth Stood Still. How does it move? And they're answering these questions in really really cool and fun ways. And as of the nerd side, and then from just <clears throat> a casual fan side of it. You know, you're, it's telling the story. It's a uh, it's a western, as you said before. It's um, it's also uh, it makes me think of the Incredible Hulk TV show with Bill Bixby. Of you know, I'm wandering in search of this thing from town to town, and oh, I've encountered this new village, and they need my help. I'm the hired gun to help out this village, and I know it's a trope that predates you know even. Um, uh, um, uh, the Incredible Hulk, you know, and probably even predates Westerns. It can go all the way back to, you know, the Odyssey, uh, mm-hmm. when we're telling a story of, you know, trying to get to this ultimate destination, a home, which that's what we're trying to find, Grogu a home, you know, and along the way, and then like as Odysseus is, has these travels that are strengthening him and teaching him these things about himself, you know, that's what uh, what's happening with the Mandalorian. So it's like, and I'm, I'm really curious what they're going to do with the guy under the suit they've given boba fett more personality all the personality and character development that we wanted him to have as a kid they're they're finally giving that to him and that's awesome and, and
0: he, just... he looks him fighting his fight scene his fight sequence mm-hmm. in that his premiere episode oh my gosh and then he gets yes. the suit back on and you're like holy cow here it is
1: i'm seeing it i'm watching you, it. did you watch the last episode
0: the last episode the bill burr episode
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you saw he, he had it cleaned up. Had that's like, oh yeah, he got his armor cleaned up. Yeah, and... I was
0: like, that's that's a fresh paint job. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it's I just... thought at first? I thought I was like some kind of I always do this. I'm like, oh I'm like I'm noticing something that no one's noticed and they must have <laughs> and then I realized, oh no, 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 he got a paint job. It's not like too new.
1: <laughs> if anything, the internet has shown us that there are a fleet of people with Asperger's noticing shit that you don't on every single thing that yeah. exists. Yeah,
0: if you think, think you're of- the first one, there's actually 20 more <laughs> things that you've missed. Um yeah. all right, so talking about uh the Mandalorian and talking about John Favreau cuz I'm a John Favreau loyalist at this point. I mean, uh, he is Marvel Studios and oh, yeah. and him and Feige and the team have made s- some of the best comic book stuff uh, that have I've ever seen. I was born and raised i'm not kidding like i'm a superman guy i'm a dc guy and they i I was literally converted like watching the last 15 years of movies 12 13 years of movies i'm watching the mcu play out and i'm following along you know i'm watching one movie at a time and i'm also watching the dc stuff which we can talk about that too because tables are turning i'll tell you that but i'm like god these movies are good but these dc films but they're just they don't have this like what is this and this for me is exactly what John Favreau and Dave Fionni and, and, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and all these writers and directors on the Mandalorian are bringing it's, you gotta have two key things for this, for you want if you want to feel the magic, right. It's two key things. You gotta have the story and the mission just totally sound. It's gotta make sense to you, to me. It's to gotta, vision. Yes, exactly. And then you gotta pair that with really well-known characters. Like you're at the well, point. I don't because you're. I like, don't
1: think you need the well-known characters because otherwise, how do you explain Groot?
0: What I mean by well-known is they teach us who these characters are in real-time, episode by episode. Okay, yes. So like the Mandalorian, well realized,
1: well yeah. Yeah, actualized. Yeah,
0: actualized—that's a better word. It's like you—you're at this point now with the Mandalorian, where like there are certain things where you'd be like, "Oh, he'd never do that. He'd never do that." Right. Because you know in your heart that like he's about this. This he's about this thing, right?
1: Right. We're talking about characterization. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I feel like they just do such a good job showing you the little things behind, you know, how they think about a situation or how they'll act in a, in a situation when you put them in you're like, OK, that's what this person is. And how is this going to apply to this overall mission?
1: Right. They they do. And man, Marvel did the right thing when not only that they tabbed Kevin Feige, but when they let him have the reins. And that was like sometime after. Dark World was, Thor Dark World was made, where it became less of like decision by committee and Kevin Feige had more of a direction in which to go. And that's why, you know, there's such a stark difference between uh, a feel between Captain America First Avenger and Captain America Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I I love both. They're very, very good. But, you know, one is, but they both appeal to me as a comic fan, but the one other is a objectively better movie than the other winter soldier and yes and that's the problem one of the big problems that dc has and has historically had if you look at the history of the company they have always been a rule by corporation by a company they always had a house style whereas marvel you know um Although Stan Lee was still writing the scripts for everyone, he let Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, you know, go with their designs. There was, there was, uh, there was room for each artist to do their own thing. And the other problem with DC is that they thought that they had their Feige Warner uh, with, um, with Zack Snyder for setting the tone. But what a, And I love Zack Snyder. I love their, their movies by Zack Snyder that I love. I thought, you know, uh, Dawn of the Dead was great. I enjoyed 300. Um, I thought Watchmen was really well done. I know it has its critics, but I really enjoyed it. Um, It's one that I rewatched. Yeah, Yeah, but in terms of uh, having a tone over the entire DC universe, wrong guy, you Mm -hmm. know? I mean, I think that Zack's Superman is so incredibly wrong for... Because it's everything is so dour everything's miserable it's a burden to be superman you know it's like and i i remember watching black panther and in the theater or even afterwards i was just kind of chuckling to myself and thinking here's marvel taking essentially a c-list character and making him a cultural icon that would then go on to be an Oscar, you know, I don't know if you won, but it was a nominated in that, you know, best mainstream.
0: They did win some awards, I do know.
1: Okay. Then, and here's fucking DC and Warner with the greatest superhero to ever exist. And all the money in the world. And they can't get him right. Yeah. They cannot. They cannot get it. Out of their it own just
0: life. wasn't enjoyable.
1: To no. Watch was, him on I mean, they I agree. And there are parts of it. I love Henry Cavill. I think he's great. His he's, Henry Cavill, Superman
0: is a good Superman. Yeah. It's just like he hasn't been able to be the Superman we know he could be. What do you think right. about what's happening now with DC and the new Warner's the media strategy with, you know, the rolling out uh, the, the, yeah. the infamous Snyder cut is going to be eventually coming four part something. They've rehired actors. This movie's essentially been remade at this point. And then all the stuff in between, you got Wonder Woman, they're talking about a Flashpoint movie with Michael Keaton coming in and all these flash, you know, uh, Flashpoint characters. What are your feelings and thoughts right now on like where DC and Warner is headed?
1: I will always hope that they get it right but because i think it's always going to be a part of warner there's always going to be this corporate whiff and people may even say i mean yeah there's a marvel style there's a corporate whiff to disney there's a corporate whiff to you know the star wars disney stuff but it's just the difference is when when marvel stuff went from good to great is when they trusted and believed in the source material It's the difference between Daredevil, the movie, also with Jon Favreau, and Daredevil, the TV show, which I know Marvel TV was a different thing. But again, it's about trusting the source material. And I don't think that, that I think there are too many cooks in the kitchen until Warner hires away Foggy or Favreau, which I think will probably happen at some point. They'll try to be like, look, we can't do this. So we're just going to get this guy to do it for us or someone from that camp. Hmm. to to just to be like we need someone that oversees this do this for what we've done because they they when the avengers came out and was they had laid this groundwork for you know this crossover movie and then ultimately they did you know infinity war and all that which was just the movie that you we know, all i always wanted as a child never thought that i would see 20 movies setting up this other movie uh, i mean just,
0: i just got the goos- i just got the goosebumps oh man right
1: and then they try to do everything all in one with Superman, you know, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Let's throw in everyone in a single movie and say, so you did not give this time to breathe. I heard great things about Aquaman, but I don't know. I'm ambivalent about, you know, uh, Jason Momoa as Aquaman.
0: Uh, yeah, I think, they let I, him, just, I think they let him be a little too comfortable. I feel like it's almost like, <laughs> I feel like they're like, he's like, who should I be? And they're like, oh, just be yourself. <laughs>
1: That's funny. <laughs> it's funny. I am, um, i don't know i mean i'm still gonna watch it i'm still going to oh of course and it, it's almost it. it's
0: almost like not like when i ask i get frustrated when people ask me like oh are you excited am i excited for a batman like a justice league movie who are you talking i have a podcast called mostly superheroes yeah i'm excited is it gonna be good i don't know let's talk about this james gunn is one of these guys right so he mm-hmm. did he does suicide he does guardians of the galaxy and and two both great films i rewatch them all the time that's we have a scale over here. I don't know if you've heard the scale, but we like have a rating on, like, if we rewatch Four point. it, 4.0 scale. I haven't done those yet, but I need to. They're up there, though, because I'm always putting them back on. Well, now you have him coming in to reboot, it looks like, The Suicide Squad. And that's going to mm-hmm. be in this, and they've already announced, Peacemaker TV show on HBO Max.
1: Oh, I didn't, oh no, maybe I, I saw it and forgot it. That's uh, John Cena, right? John
0: Cena, and that's also directed by Gunn. So, like, that's a little bit of that crossover, you know? They got, like, they're like you bring, you bring Gunn over to do both. I don't know. It's just one facet of the story, so I feel like it's a Band-Aid on a much, maybe, larger issue.
1: I agree. I, I agree, but maybe the hope is that they will have success from that, and they're like, oh, well, maybe we should be doing more of this. Maybe James Gunn is the guy that oversees it. I don't know that James Gunn could do, like, a whole, have that mm-hmm. umbrella thing. But I never would have thought that Mikey Peters from Swingers could do it either. You know, and yet here's Favreau, you know, knocking it out of the park. Um, He couldn't even get, you know, he couldn't wait three days to call the girl. Yet here he is, you know. uh, (laughs) Yeah, look at uh, him now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in terms of like the the Snyder cut, I'm going to be most grateful that it'll finally shut the fuck up, people that. Pitch about the Snyder cut
0: that's a really good but, point hey uh, I'll, I'm gonna give a round of applause because I wasn't <laughs> I, I wasn't one of these people screaming from the rooftop to release it I was like either release it or don't because like and if
1: I'm if I'm wrong I'll admit it I'll gladly admit always
0: that always and I admit what I, I hope yeah because I don't want to make people think I think something that I don't know you know um let's talk about mcu then are you are you you're obviously a big mcu fan you follow the stories pretty closely i, am. Or are you- I,
1: I do yeah it's funny i was about to say about um the justice league thing it's like i, I wasn't going to hope for it to fail i don't ever hope for something to fail but that's not true because i absolutely hope that venom would fail and that sony would have to sell sp- sell spider-man back to disney and i was so disappointed that oh god we're gonna have more wrangling of that in the future. And Tom Holland is so good. As and it seems like is. it
0: seems like Sony just um, shows up and tries to cause a problem. It's like it's like they have they have. It's kind of like you said the hand-me-downs. They've just got this box of stuff, and they're like, "Well, we're gonna make it," and we're like, "Well, that's gonna mess up our fan viewing experience." And they're like, "Well, we're still gonna make it."
1: And they're making that fucking you know Morbius uh, movie with is it is it Jared Leto as. Yeah, is Morbius, Jared, yeah, the Jared,
0: yep. And then also with, uh, I mean, we can talk, you know, big MCU crossovers Sony cause there's like so much happening right now, but Michael Keaton's vulture from Spider-Man mm. homecoming is in the trailer for Morbius. It's like, okay, yeah. that's wild. But now you've got them openly announcing, you know, um, Sony's the amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. Jamie Foxx is confirmed and has interviewed with ComicBook.com. Like he's going to be in the, spider-man 3 tom holland's spider-man as electro you're gonna get sam Raimi's uh dr doc ock it sounds like it sounds like they're playing maybe more together than ever before but also i'm one of these people that i just don't really believe half of the stuff i'm hearing right now
1: i believe it because i think what sony does again as corporations corporations love patterns And what I think has happened is they saw the incredible success of Into the Spider-Verse and like, oh, well, we need to do that with our next Spider-Man movie. Let's get all of our Spider-Men in here, which... Hey, until you bring in Nicholas Hammond, you know, it ain't a real Spider-Verse.
0: Nicholas Hammond. Uh, who's who's, who's Nicholas Hammond?
1: From from the, uh, he was uh, Spider-Man in the 1977 Spider-Man TV show that ran for like 12 episodes.
0: Oh man, I've seen the footage. I believe I've seen it's, the footage.
1: <laughs> it's not it's not as awful as people think. Okay. It's played so earnestly. Um, Peter's not quippy. He's more of an adult. Um, so Nick Hammond, he plays in serious. Um, which is, you know, that's what the material was. I think they were also going off of what the Incredible Hulk was. It was a appear- Incredible Hulk was appearing to an adult, also a female audience at the time. Um, and so that's that was the playbook that they had. The funny thing about the Spider Man TV show is you watch it, it's like, oh, we're set in New York, and then they cut to Skylines. It's like, it's clearly Los Angeles. It's like, <laughs> there's not a skyscraper in sight, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, sure, it is. Anyway, um. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. And oh, the other thing that's funny about, uh, again, Marvel beating DC to the punch before Flashpoint's going to come out, they're going to have their own Spider-Verse live action movie so that, you know, it's like they're, it's going, again, they did a better dark side. Than DC by having Thanos, you know, now, because before Thanos was like, hey, he was cool and he had the Infinity Gauntlet, but Darkseid was the shit. Darkseid was, you know, he was alpha level bad guy. And they're like, oh, that was in DC. I don't know. Am I? Do you know Darkseid from DC? Oh, dude. Come on. Again. Okay. Okay. I'm okay, not, okay just check Just I'm
0: not. I, I don't know, like, the deep cuts of, like, I couldn't tell you who his, like, Darkseid's fourth assistant was, but I can tell you okay. I know Darkseid. And I'll tell you right now, whenever I was watching the, the Avengers movies early days, and you first get that, Uh, post-credit scene of Thanos Mm -hmm. he's and you like you said the affinity gauntlet he also looked weird in the early stuff he didn't look as polished as Josh Brolin's did but I thought to myself like oh that's okay like and then when Darkseid's being rumored to be in DC I'm like oh that's gonna be the real deal that's a bad guy that's a big bad and then here we are you know look what Mm -hmm. happened man MCU just out of the park and DC's trying again
1: yeah. And so I think, you know, the whole multiverse thing, it's like, but I will also say that DC is stronger in that they have more of a multi, a deeper uh, live action multiverse to pull from. Um, you know, they could, and we saw kind of a hint of this in um,
0: Crisis in on the Earth.
1: Arrowverse. Yeah, yeah, Crisis on
0: Infinite Earths. Yeah
1: so it's, I, I want to see you know a george reeves superman brought back i want to see yeah. a christopher reeves superman brought back i mean i would i would love to see something like that but you know it's also it's going again it's going to look like dc copying marvel well it, y-
0: yes i say yes and no because at this point if you can just make the good movie and tell the good story i think everybody's going to be happy and you know what yeah. they have that we've seen in the star wars universe there is like the bring back to life technology basically where CGI is to the point now <laughs> yeah. where they, you got that general from the original movies. They did it with Carrie Fisher, uh, you know, and, and like there was, you know, she's in most of the movie, but they, they did recreate some. So it's like, that's exciting to think about that. Maybe Christopher Reeves could be like on screen somehow. Like that'd be insane. Um, I loved what crisis on infinite Earth did and the Arrowverse. Um, they just went ham on the, on the crossover, bringing in, Multi network crossover? They went to Lucifer, the show that was originally on Fox and now it's on Netflix. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you remember that. They like they, John Constantine actually went to like Lucifer's.
1: Oh yeah, Constantine club. was on there, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And so like they, they, I think you're right. I think they had the capabilities to do this. But talking about what's right around the corner, I mean, Wandavision is kicking off January what 15th, and Phase Four is here, and nothing is going to be more multiverse wacky than that show combined with. Doctor Strange 2, Multiverse
1: and Madness. Yeah, I'm, um, yes, you know, things that I'm looking forward to clearly, especially with, um, you know, the announcements from last week of everything that's coming up with Marvel and um, WandaVision, which I think launches on my birthday, which is awesome. And then Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I think WandaVision, I think that's going to be to Marvel what Mando is to Star Wars based on, you know, how it just seems to be. A, such a unique uh and a, almost like an auteur kind of a take on things and plus it's going to have cat denning's cleavage so i'm already a fan
0: <laughs> yeah that's yeah it's so funny my f- fiance and i were talking about her literally last night her name's cat right we couldn't yeah. figure out in our heads what her name was and uh first thing she said was oh uh the big boob girl from two broke girls yeah. <laughs> Um, Well, I'll tell you right now, man, personally speaking, that is, that's on the top of my list. MCU, thinking about being back in the MCU, after how long it's been, I mean, we haven't, Black Widow never came and Far From Home was the last thing we saw. Um, To think about watching, I don't know how many episodes will be in WandaVision or like Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, but to think there's even more than five episodes of an MCU story. I'm like, is this real life? Like, this is so exciting.
1: And I think that's where the future of this content is going because we see far more effort being put into uh, shows that are coming out for Disney plus than movies. I mean, try to think of movies that we know that are coming out. So many of them are up in the air. Black Widow. I don't know what's going to happen with that. And then the Eternals, you know, with Kit Harrington and I think Angelina Jolie was supposed to be in that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Guardians 3. I don't know. And then the, the, uh, the tragedy of Chadwick Boseman I mean like if I said that Black Panther 2 is still in the way but you know does this mean sure he's going to take the mantle and be Black Panther which I think would be wonderful um, but I wonder how are they going to handle that transition but I mean clearly the future right now is in the TV I am super excited to see what they're going to do with She-Hulk mm-hmm. um, because She-Hulk She's one of my favorite characters from the MCU because she's so smart and she's so funny, and I think they could do things with that show that DC Universe did with the Harley Quinn animated series, which is absolutely amazing. Wow. Um, yeah, did you see it with Kaylee uh, Kawako as uh, Harley Quinn and No, Blake I Bennell have not. Oh, my God. It's on HBO Max now. Um, it is so goddamn good. It got my girlfriend into Harley Quinn. Um, we just watched. Bir-
0: we did watch Suicide Squad, the original, and then Birds of Prey, the films. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's as far as we've gone down the Harley Quinn road. But um, I've heard a lot of people talk about this animated series. You're saying it's legit. Yes,
1: it is. It is. And I think the showrunner used to work on Arrested Development as well. So you see some – you know, I could be – crossing my wires and maybe I'm thinking of the Russo brothers because I know they have that connection but I I know that they've got some some like live action show running stuff that I was like oh I'm a fan of their comedy work but anyway um or this individual and uh but it's all about I historically I've hated Harley Quinn I have really disliked her trying to figure out why you know are we positioning this you know this uh uh Bensonhurst accented cigarette girl Who's in an abusive relationship. A, side, she a sidekick. A
0: sidekick at the end of the day. Just if just as a comic book fan, take all the whatever <laughs> bias out of it, she's a sidekick.
1: Right. And admittedly, I do like some sidekicks. I mean, I love the Falcon. Even before the Falcon was, you know, Anthony Mackie. I one of my first uh uh uh, reading uh, things I remember as a kid was a Power Records presents. It was a book and record set with uh, with uh, Captain America and the Falcon taking on an air of Baron Zemo, which is funny because like it's about Nazis. And also, fun fact: um, there's some audio from that uh, record that was lifted into Eminem's "Rap God" uh, at the very beginning of uh, of that song. Anyway, um, no. ADHD. No, hey, I, um, we love the tangents <laughs> around here, man. That's that's good. So sidekicks are fine, but the thing with Harley Quinn is that she's coming out from under the joker's shadow she's um becoming her own person and um you know harley quinn it's about the relationship the friendship and then maybe romance between poison ivy and harley quinn wow um and it is it is so good it's the humor is on point um one of the great scenes is uh Joker, after Harley Quinn has dumped her and she's making a name for herself, you see a, a cut to the the coffee room at the the Legion of Doom, and Joker's sitting there with uh, with Bane, and you know Joker's like the typical abusive narcissist ex-boyfriend talking shit about the girlfriend oh she's crazy like oh you know she has hpv and (laughs) and bane's and bane bane whose voice like tom hardy's character or tom hardy's impersonation uh characterization does just replies him well you know most of sexually active adults do have hpv now you know (laughs) it's really wonderful she crashes that's really
0: great i think that that (laughs) humor it really resonates with me i'd be laughing my ass off
1: yeah, I think in the second episode she crashes Penguin's nephew's bar mitzvah as a way to make a name for herself. It's I can't recommend it highly enough. Well, so.
0: I'll, I'll uh, you've you know what you've sold me. I'm at least going to watch episode one, so I'll I'll check it out. And I'm I'm one to uh, if someone pushes me enough on, especially a comic book show, it's not you don't know, got to twist my arm too hard um all right give, give man.
1: a shot let me know what you think watch it with I your will. girlfriend or with your fiance so if yeah, she it too
0: i will because i mean like i said i've already kind of warmed her up with the movies so now it's a good time to be like hey well you know i just i just had an interview with this highly educated guy he knows what he's talking about we got to watch this <laughs> tv show it's um, girlfriend
1: approved so i know that all
0: right cool man well um i know I've, I've taken a lot of your time today but i've had a blast no
1: me too i'm um, you can go for another hour if you want. No, well, I'm
0: good. I would I would love to, but I have more things to do today, as always. But I want to say thanks again for coming on and exploring the TV and film side of things with us, too, in the later half of the episode. And this is what I'm going to say. We barely scratched the surface of, like, yeah. so many things. I would love to have you back on, either in another segment like this, or I'd love to have you on the show with uh, our regular group. I have a uh, couple guys. PC Mike, The Giggler, you've heard him. Yeah, The Giggler, yeah. Would love to have you on with us and be our fourth and uh, just kind of shoot the shit with us if you're open to it. I'm down. Hey, I don't ask everybody that. So you, <laughs> you, I'm, I'm, I'm honored. Yeah. yeah not would, to say I, I don't need to... you to like praise me for asking
1: you, but no, no, no. That, that is, that absolutely it is. <laughs> it's, that's a dream situation. And uh, I would love to be a part of it. And I'd love to be the obnoxious liberal voice of the show.
0: That's perfect. We, uh, we, we need that. You know, we're just, you know, these, <laughs> these guys, he's PC Mike. He's too conservative. I mean, it's in his name. <laughs> um, why don't you tell people where they can find you and, uh, how they can get a hold of your art and how they can see your art?
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Stephen Walden, S-T-E-V-E-N-W-A-L-D-E-N. Also, Facebook.com slash Steven Walden Art, all one word. Like my, uh, my art page there, I have a personal account, but, you know, that's where I express my personal opinions. So if you just want the art... Just stick to that page um and uh i have twitter also at steven walden and then i've got a web page stevenwalden.com if you have any questions or anything you want to talk reach out uh, it's best to, to get a hold of me through email or any direct messages on those services my email is Stephen at stevenwalden.com that's with a v
0: that's awesome and folks that are listening and watching we'll have this for you down in the description so make sure you have some check out those links and we'll, get, we'll share your social with everybody so they can find you steven walden local st louis artist man Don't go anywhere. Stick around. But I want to say thank you very much. um, And I can't wait to have you back on the show.
1: Uh, Thank you so much. I can't wait to be back.
0: All right, folks. We'll see you next time. This was another Logan's Heroes. Okay. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Steven. I know I did. We'll definitely be having him back on. We were talking after the show, and we were saying we barely scratched the surface on so many big topics. Uh, His knowledge of Star Wars and the friends he has that have knowledge of that area, as well as his fandom of the DC world and the MCU. I mean, it's going to be fun. So thanks again to Steven. Definitely go check him out and all his social and channels he mentioned. Have those for you in the description, of course, so you can easily find him. With that, keep an eye out for the Batman Returns Christmas special. We will be recording that very shortly. And uh, if we don't see you, have a great holiday, but you're going to hear from us before then, I promise. This has been Mostly Superheroes. I'm Logan. Take it easy.